I changed the name of my podcast to The Worship Homestead. What is a worship homestead? Well, let's talk about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today, I want to talk about the Worship Homestead and why I'm calling my podcast The Worship Homestead. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, Blueprint Sounds, you can get access to five new guides that I'm giving away totally free, and I've bundled it in what's called my Worship Booster Pack. It has guides and workshop videos on everything from how to build a better band, live sound, how to arrange your song, and even if you're working in worship songwriting, there's a training on worship songwriting. All of that is in the Worship Booster Pack. So you can find that on my website, or you can click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack, all one word. All right, let's talk about the Worship Homestead and what the idea is behind the Worship Homestead. First, I should explain what a regular homestead is. A lot of people probably think, you know, it's overalls and having a piece of straw in your mouth and Instagramming some chicken eggs. But modern homesteading is really about decentralized, local, and non-industrialized agriculture. So you might have a family that has, you know, a backyard where they've started to keep a garden and some chickens. You might have a larger acre plot where somebody is working with cattle. Whatever it is, the whole idea behind that is that people are doing for themselves what kind of used to be the norm before the 1950s. Before the 1950s, it was sort of expected that, you know, if you had some land, you were going to grow a garden, you were going to do your own canning and preserving, you know, you might keep some chickens or a cow, but that you had your own supply of food and it was kept in the larder or in the basement. And if you had a tough time, you know, you had your own supply of food. With the advent of the supermarket, all of the food moved into warehouse stores like Walmart or something else. And that's kind of been the natural way of things. That's That's been what we expect up until, you know, recently, the last 20 years, it has really taken off. People are starting to rediscover not only is the food that you grow yourself better, but it's more reliable that, you know, we can't rely on supply chains to bring us everything, especially in the era of covid things are a little more fragile than we thought they were. And so you see this huge shift. People are coming back to homesteading in droves. They're really, really interested in being self-sufficient. Then there's all sorts of reasons. It could be, you know, maybe they want more organic produce than what they can get at the store. Maybe they're worried about supply chains. Maybe they're just not so happy about living in the city anymore and they want that lifestyle that the country brings. Whatever the reason... That's what a homestead provides is agriculture that you're close to, that you're accountable to, that you're working your own land and being self-sufficient. So what is a worship homestead? A worship homestead has a lot of that same ethos, but in the context of church. So over the last century, we saw huge churches come onto the scene. It was the rise of the megachurch. It was all about the vision of the leader and everybody else coming underneath the headship of that leader, helping build the organization, and that's sort of how we measured success. Well, within the last 20 years, there has been a mass exodus from the institutional church. And some people have left for good. You know, some people are no longer part of the faith, but not everybody. Quite a few of those people have, for whatever reason, 
moved away from the institutional church, but they still love the Lord and they still love the church, but they've sort of hit on this other idea that maybe the institutional church is not the only expression of the church. So they've done things like Bible studies, worship nights, house churches, home groups. And some of this might be in addition to the church that they go to on Sunday morning. Some of it might be instead of. There's all sorts of expressions, but they're small. And there's a couple of things that that are hallmarks of what I call worship homesteads. The first characteristic of a worship homestead is that it's decentralized, right? In the, in the last century, it was all about make it bigger, get a bigger building, you know, have a bigger vision, let's make, have a bigger network, whatever it was, that's how you measured success. The first thing pastors, eventually, they would get around to asking each other, oh, what are your numbers right now? You know, how many services, what are you up to? But the worship homestead movement is decentralized, right? There are 10 people meeting together at this home. There are 15 people over here. There are 20 people in that suburb. They're all over the place. And they're not, there's not this overarching leader. There's not one leader that's bringing everybody together. It's very much grassroots. People are just joining together to pray, to worship, to eat together, to seek the Lord, to read the Bible, whatever it is. There's so many different expressions of it, but it's decentralized. That's the first thing. The next thing is that the worship homestead is specialized. So from place to place and little group to little group, there's a fingerprint on that group. There's a design for each one of those groups. You know, one group might emphasize the reading of the word. Another one might emphasize inner healing or deliverance or counseling. Another one might be more about declaration and prophecy. There's all sorts of expressions of what God is doing on the earth And it's very specific to that group of people and the land that they're on. Just like a homestead. Every homestead has its own thing going. You know, you might carry different produce. You might grow different things based upon what's going to work in your part of the country, what your land can accommodate and can't accommodate. Well, that's up to the homesteaders to decide what they're going to grow and what they're not going to grow and how they're going to grow it. It's the same thing with a small group. A small group of 10, 20, 25 people has their own fingerprint that God has put on them Hey, this is this is what you're going to do from week to week. This is why I have you here is for this specialized thing. And that can happen more in a small group than can happen in a large church. The third thing is that people in a worship homestead hear from God for themselves. Now that is not to take anything away from an institutional church, but a lot of people that come to a church on Sunday sort of expect that what they're receiving on Sunday is is what's feeding them from week to week. You'll hear that a lot. But in a homestead situation, there's not a lot of room to hide. Everyone is expected to bring with them what they've been learning about God that week. So whether it's, you know, listening to podcasts or watching videos or reading the word for themselves or talking with friends, there's there's this buzz throughout the week about what is the Lord telling us specifically? We want to hear from God for ourselves and not just receive from the pastor each week. There's there's an expectation that people who are part of a worship homestead are going to have their own relationship with God so that when they come together, strength meets strength. The number four characteristic of a worship homestead is that people are nimble, right? It's really easy to turn on a dime when you have a group of 10 people. If the Lord lays on somebody's heart, hey, I think we need to pray about this for a while. Well, okay, that's not really hard because there wasn't much structure to worry about. 500 people, 
that's a little bit harder ship to turn. And so nimbleness is the name of the game with the worship homestead. And finally, the worship homestead is self-sufficient. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in that worship homestead, that home group or Bible study or whatever, has the answers. That's not what I mean. It means that they are dedicated to go finding the answers, right? They're not expecting, hey, I'm going to come to this one place and it's going to fulfill all of my needs. That's not true. But they are relentless about finding out, okay, I have this thing going on that we can pray about. Does anybody have a resource? Okay, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a video, maybe it's something else. But there's a lot of cross-pollination with information, something that you don't necessarily get on a Sunday morning from a brick-and-mortar church. So why am I changing the name of the podcast to The Worship Homestead? It's because over the last 10 years plus, that has been the story of my life to be part of a house church, right? It started off when I was in college as a worship night, and then when we all left college, we decided we didn't want to stop, and we kept that house church going, and it's been going ever since, 10 years plus. But some of the things that I've learned as a result of leading worship for that house church have become really, really important to my life, and I, I know that there are other people that are in the same boat. For a while, I thought I was isolated. I thought we were the only people doing anything like what we were doing, which, of course, wasn't true. We just didn't have a big enough perspective. But as the years have gone by, we've started to connect with other groups that are doing the same thing. And you know what? There's a lot of them. There's a lot more than I thought there were at first. And what I found is that God wants and is blessing this expression of the church, not instead of the institutional church, not instead of brick and mortar churches, but in addition to. It's part of his plan. Where is he going? I have no idea. But I know that his grace is on it because I can see it not only in our own group, but in groups around the country. Well, because I've been a part of a house church and developed some skills in worship that I know can help others, I want to do that. But the first step is to name it. The first step is to validate it by, by telling people, hey, this thing exists, this thing that you've been doing and that you haven't really had a context for, well, let's give language to it. Let's, let's talk about it and let's say that it's good and God is behind it. That's the first step is to validate it. So if you're listening to this or you're watching this and you've been part of a Bible study, a home group, a house church, any small expression like this that you know, you kind of been wondering, like, what was I doing? What are, what are we up to? We know that it's right, but we don't know exactly what's going on. The first thing you need to know is that God validates it. God likes it, God's in it, and you're not alone. That's the first step. There'll be much more to come in the weeks that follow, but first, know that you're on the right track. God wants an expression of his church that is decentralized, specialized, hears from God for themselves, is nimble, and is self-sufficient. Hey, I hope that video helps. And again, if you need help with any part of your worship team, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.